Ghosts are horny. Ookie. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Once again, we are recording remotely, all at our separate computers in our separate homes. And what I want to know today is if, like Nancy in this episode, you have a bunch of stuff at your desk. And if so, what is it? Looking around, I was like, I have some weird stuff on my desk. And then I'm like, looking, I'm like, I have a lot of weird stuff at my desk (laughs) now that I think about it. This is kind of weird, but I'm a very like smell-based person. Mm. I just have a very strong sense of smell. I think it's because I'm blind and don't hear super well. (laughs) So um, like smells are like big to me. So I don't like bad smells and I really like good smells. So like I have like a perfume rollerball on my desk that sometimes I just like hit for serotonin. (laughs) Like I'll be sitting there and I'm like, I need some nasal stimulation. And I just take my little hit (laughs) or like put it on my wrist. I would call that olfactory stimulation. Ooh, that's even better. <laughs> also, I forgot, but I've had this Moldavite on my desk forever. Oh, hell yeah. I went to um, a metaphysical shop and I think the Moldavite was really popular at this at the time. And I just was trying to check out, I just like buying jewelry there. I don't like that for like mm-hmm. spiritual purposes or anything. I just like to accessorize, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. like it's hard to find gaudy jewelry in my size and they always have it. And, um, <laughs> the person who was ringing me out, they pretty much was just like, oh, are you looking for this? And I was like, no, nah, I didn't say anything because they were talking so much. Like I could not get a word in. And so they assumed I just wanted to buy Moldavite because it was really popular at the time. I just like pretty much threw it in my cart and I paid for it because I was like, well, why not? Um, But people say it's like Motivite is like life changing and it'll like kickstart a spiritual journey. So like I leave it on my desk in tissue paper because like I'm afraid of change. So I just like want to make sure I do not touch it. Jordan, that's amazing. (laughs) The last thing is I have two little um, frog figurines that was gifted to me by my adoptive grandmother when she passed. So I just kind of keep them there. I love that. Yeah, that's it. What about you, Allie? I have a lot of like tchotchkes on my desk. Nice. um, That are like collected from kids over the years. But specifically, I got some art recently that I'm really excited about. So I have a drawing of Athena from a local artist. Um, My older sister also got me Mothman. And when she gave it to me, she's like, this is weird. So I think you'll like it. (laughs) A very Nicole thing. And then I have on the other side, a cute little girl with petals. One of our friends got me. And then yeah, all over my desk, it's like random stuff. Like I have a little alien from the 
class I had for summer this year and like just a ton of random shit that makes me happy. And I think the thing I love most in my office, in my room is my uh, (laughs) little Edgar Allan Poe stuffed doll that, you know, those little hands that people get and put on their fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got them for Christmas and I stuffed Edgar Allan Poe's um, like cloth hands into them. So it's just an Edgar Allan Poe like puppet with hyper realistic large man hands. Oh, That's God. terrifying, Allie. <laughs> and, and I just pose him so he watches. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my life. Wow. What about you, Jasper? <laughs> My desk is a disaster zone. So I have a really old dried boutonniere. I have my watch. I have a jar of various sized plugs and tunnels for my ear holes. I have two Starbucks gift cards, um, my sumatriptan, my box of sumatriptan, a jar of used needles, my testosterone, a bag of unused needles and syringes, a couple of volumes of poetry, some printed out and written on drafts of various things, a lot of trash, (laughs) and a folding picture frame that has a a picture of my two youngest sisters in it, as well as like some tax documents and, you know, stuff. (laughs) I guess if we were including clutter, I also <laughs> have a plethora, so I get that. Oh, yeah. I'm being very, very honest here. There's a lot of garbage. <laughs> yeah. But it's like mostly stuff that I don't want to forget that it exists or where mm. it exists, you know? Yeah. I'm like, this is where this lives, and it will live here so that I can always find it. <laughs> True. But no statuettes of the Virgin Mary. Alas. Yeah, maybe I should get one. You should. (laughs) But life size. Oh, life size. (laughs) And put it out your window so it's just always staring into your window. Yes. Very weird, Jordan. (laughs) And I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. Prefer the word innovative. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) Today's episode is season three, episode 12, Juice and Bellow, the one where the boys flash their tats. This episode was written by Sarah Gamble and directed by Phil Screechia and originally aired on February 21st, 2008. I like how many people are probably going to rewind the, the uh, title sequence for this episode and be like, did they just say flash their tits? Because that's kind of yeah. what it sounded like. They're like, yeah. I don't remember that. But what if I did say that? Hell yeah. You know Going what? Up to that chaos. I I'm going to say that now. The one where they flash their tits. And I'm going to put that, I'm going to put that in the, in the thing, in the post from the podcast. <laughs> That's what it's going to say now. I changed it. The one where they flash some titties. I really wish they had the tattoos right on the nipple. Yeah. Right? Just like center it right there. Yeah. Scritcher, what are you doing? <laughs> So I just have to say, I'm very happy I have seen this tattoo now because I knew it was a supernatural thing Mm -hmm. because like I've definitely known people with that tattoo and they're always um, interesting Mm. people. No shade to anyone who has that tattoo. I think it's a really cool tattoo. It's just wide variety of people who have that tattoo. 
I'm not a big fan of like TV show or movie tattoos, but like this is a pretty fucking cool design. Like comparatively, if you're going to get a tattoo, get this over like the Deathly Hollows. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think my my only critique with this tattoo <laughs> is that I think the the heavy black coloring is just a little mm-hmm. too much. If it were me, I would get it done with some more delicate looking black line work and have it a lot mm-hmm. smaller. I but like you know. <laughs> but still right on the nipple. Like Alex But still saying. right yeah. on the nipple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right on there. Well, I guess we should get to this episode. We actually don't really have a cold open. Hey, this is important content. Okay. We'll get related. back to the nipple tattoos. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, I do love this cold open. I love it so much. I love a good fake out. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of things that are amusing about the concept of Bella, like leading them to the hotel room purposely and then calling them to be like, I called the cops or whatever. (laughs) But what I I love the most is that she left a couple of ratty ass wigs in a drawer for them to find. (laughs) Like every everything was empty except like a drawer that had some old granny panties and two ratty ass wigs. They should have immediately seen those wigs and been like, these aren't Bella's. These are the wigs of like a 14 year old first time cosplayer. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> Though to be fair, that black bob wig was pretty horrendous that she wore. Yeah, but at least it looked like she kept it on like an <laughs> like a foam head or yeah. whatever. And like maintained it somewhat. <laughs> the hardest thing for the boys to face kind of right now is the police. Mm-hmm. They, they're not playing by their own rules. So it was a right. smart move on her part. It will tie them up longer than anything else she could have thrown at them. Yeah, and probably a non-lethal solution to deal with, mm. to dealing yeah. with them too. And I feel like narratively they bring up the police just when we've forgotten. Like they really time it well. I agree. Yeah, I like honestly. By the time you get to this episode, it's like, wait, that's right. There is law yeah. enforcement in this universe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it works really well in this episode and when they do this in general. Right. I I agree. I agree. I love the phone call between Bella and Dean, not just because of like their banter, like they always Mm -hmm. have. Although I'd say Dean's end of the banter is getting a little more unhinged every time because he's just (laughs) so pissed off. But I just think Bella's end of the dialogue is really interesting here. And I wondered what y'all thought of it. I am really curious. I was actually hoping that we would see Bella at, like in the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, spoiler, we did not. So I was a little <laughs> sad, but yeah, I was like, oh, what was the line she said? Is like, is that really what you think of me? Something no, along she the says, line. Um, you know nothing about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. And I'm like, I want to know though. Yeah. I want to know about you, Bella. Yeah, it's such a smart line of dialogue, I think, because Mm -hmm. it doesn't reveal anything about her other than her frustration with the situation and with Dean. And it also is a flat out denial that she is going to sell the cult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it sets, like, I think this episode both sets up a lot in the episode itself, but also just in what will happen next. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like something for us to think about in the rest of the episodes on this season, of which there are only, uh, let's see, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, four more after this one. That's fucking wild. It is wild. So it's like, you know, what'll happen with that in the next several episodes? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, it does, it sets up conflict for the middle of this one too. Also, we have missed Henriksen. I love him. I like him too. Like, I know we're always talking about like these mean girl characters, but ooh, he Mm -hmm. is a mean girl. I love him. (laughs) In the best of ways. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was shocked. I was like, oh, Hendrick said, I've totally forgotten about you. Were you really? <laughs> so I knew as soon as the police were called that Hendrickson was going to be there. I just was not expecting to see Hendrickson again in season three. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, here he is. Unless I predicted that. I may have predicted that he was actually going to be here, but sometimes I don't believe my own predictions. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you're just spouting bullshit. Exactly. We do know this. We do know this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jordan's like, I myself and a conundrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like the problem with people being like, and I say this all the time too, but like, nobody knows you better than yourself. Mm-hmm. Guess again, bitch. I have no idea what's <laughs> going on up there. <laughs> <laughs> too true but yeah he's just such an asshole i love it he's Mm -hmm. like stomping around like do this do that no 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 so these like small town cops he's like a super government cop you know because that's what all the fbi is it's just even fancier cops so i kind of hate that on principle Mm -hmm. but i'm also like you go girl (laughs) i don't know i hate it but as soon as they're like here's a witty detective i'm like fuck yeah right exactly so i'm not gonna go too much into this but i'm kind of fine with it because he has some cop slander later in the episode and i was here Mm. for that i love yeah slander i can't wait to talk about that later Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. speaking of slander (laughs) (laughs) Um, when he's like describing Sam and Dean to the sheriff and to Nancy, well, I guess it's to the sheriff and Nancy overhears it. And he's like, you know, these aren't just fugitives. Think Hannibal Lecter and his half-wit little brother. I'm like, did Henriksen just call Sam stupid? <laughs> and I'm like, that never happens. Yeah, that that is weird. I'm here. Sam never has this intelligence attacked. It's very interesting. I know. And like the the whole Hannibal Lecter thing is that he's this hyper intelligent psychopath who's like very well educated and can charm the pants off of anyone. And I'm like, incredible to me that you've decided that that's Dean and not Sam. I don't know. It's just so opposite (laughs) of how (laughs) either of them are portrayed. It's so interesting, too, because as much as like Henriksen's mission is the downfall of Dean. He does have like big rose-colored glasses for Dean. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, no, like Henriksen is a Dean girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> through and through. Oh yeah. 
he like is so obsessed with this guy. I love it because I'm like, yeah, fuck cops. But like, yeah, let this smart detective recognize like Dean's type of intelligence, like finally in the show, because we get a lot of like Dean is bumbling sometimes. And I'm like, yes, Henriksen, go. Right. I just I also have to like think about because he brings up Hannibal Lecter. That me that makes him like the Will Graham of this scenario. Yes. <laughs> and that's like extremely gay already. You know, I just think there's something really compelling about like the the psycho killer and like the detective who's obsessed mm-hmm. with them dynamic. Like the t- these two have such like villanelle and um eve pilastri vibes i'm like just make out (laughs) absolutely i mean like obviously obviously henriksen has it wrong but still (laughs) that's where his brain is at yeah and kind of again something we'll talk about later but like henriksen seemed excited to work with dean later oh my god yeah there's some feelings there I know. They do. Yeah, I am not a fan of like romance, not always a fan of this, but every time it's like the detective and killer, I don't care. Like it's just so intriguing. And there is so much buy in immediately just because of the positioning of those two like roles in life. Right. Totally. Enemies to lovers, obsessed. Yeah. I love when the boys finally get to the police station, how they're immediately, they're so casual despite their situation, (laughs) but they're also so like keen and attentive. And in the moment, like they immediately hone in on Nancy and learn her name and like note the things on her desk and like all this stuff. And like, we know that because the camera shows us and they call her by her name and everything. I just, I just love how smart it is because like it makes them look good, but then it saves time later of like having Mm -hmm. to introduce that character or like figure out how to make the holy water actually like they can just, they just do it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This episode was so effective at like the show Don't Tell. Like they did it so well and so quick for all the introductions. And I know this is jumping forward a little, but I especially noticed it when we meet the characters there, um, like we see personalities immediately. And then in the scene where they set up all the traps, it does a bunch of jump shots between like the Henriksen and the keys to the wrists to him asking like what's going to happen like what can they do and jumping Mm -hmm. to them spray painting like this one does not waste any time right it's so well edited everything is Mm -hmm. really really tight and fast-paced um which is super important I think especially for like you said an episode that has a lot of new characters like we, it would be so easy to get overwhelmed by the amount of characters that are thrown at us. Although I think part of the reason we don't is because a bunch of them get killed off immediately too. Immediately. <laughs> True. It's one of the few episodes in a very long time that doesn't treat us like we're totally stupid. Yeah. You miss Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Also, can we talk about the actress? 
Yeah. You might recognize Nancy Fitzgerald as uh, Ella Lopez from Lucifer, which is now on Netflix, but was previously on either ABC or CBC, one of the BCs. She's so cute. Yeah. She's adorable. Ella is one of my favorite characters in Lucifer. And I'm like amazed that she didn't turn out to be bisexual because she's always flirting with literally everyone. Everyone. (laughs) What was that about? Headcanon that if she had survived this episode, then she would have changed her name and become Ella Lopez from Lucifer. Obviously, that doesn't fit the canon of Lucifer, but I like it. So there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds great. She was also Jody in Marvel's M.O.D.O.K. She was the voice of Alex Gonzalez in Dragons the Nine Realms, which came out recently and was apparently pretty good. And she was Jamie Batista in Dexter. I forgot she was in Dexter. I'm sorry. That just like opened a new realm in my brain. <laughs> oh, so after they see all of this stuff and they're, they're actually put into the small holding cell. Um, it's like kind of interesting, like the quote that this is the last time you two will probably see each other. And then, of course, mm-hmm. the weight of that coming up, knowing that that is going to happen soon, regardless of whether or not they get out of this or not. Yeah, it's like Henriksen doesn't realize how correct he is, actually, <laughs> that yeah. very soon. And it's also, I think, interesting that um, he says that about Sam and Dean, but in fact, it's him that never sees them again. Yeah. Or rather, they never see him again after they leave. So following up on that, like, little Hannibal Lecter bit, I don't know why they just have to make it even weirder by having Dean, like, just jumping out the gate with, like, the weird sex comments. Like, when he's in a vulnerable physical scenario, like, just immediately like these Wade Wilson-esque remarks about erectile dysfunction and like BDSM stuff and (laughs) we don't swing that way and I'm just like Dean (laughs) come on also like he protests a little too much that's what I'm saying obviously there's there's like a more serious reason to immediately assume you're gonna be put in a sexual situation if you're like in danger which makes me sad to think about but like the thing that jumps out at me is that like I don't know that most people when they feel like a little bit threatened are like by the way, I don't want to fuck you. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just, just unrelated. Like, what is going on with it's you? Wishful thinking. Yeah. Apparently. Well, what makes me laugh about, I just love how we have a consistent way of handling sexuality between the two boys, especially when it relates to like MLM. Mm-hmm. Is a. Uh, Dean is always the doubt death protest too much. And then Sam is just like the quiet, I'm not denying it, but I'm not saying anything. Right. Every time. Right. Well, for Sam, it's just like, it doesn't 
help or potentially it could hurt to say something. So why would I, I think. I also love like how excited he is. And then he's in this small town station. Right. Like they don't have the resources. He wants to like roll out the red carpet. Speaking of which, Henriksen, his phone call with his superior, the deputy director, mm-hmm. it's not just that Henriksen gets chastised that makes that whole situation fun. It's the fact that retroactively, like some of the things that the guy is saying are like cute little remarks like, um, well, I'll be damned. And then it turns out he's possessed. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like stupid, goofy little things like that that really get me. But also like on a more serious note, like there seems to be like this implication that um, demons are taking advantage of FBI resources because he says all the stuff about how the Winchesters have been a thorn in their side for months. And we know that it's only been months since the Hellgate opened. I also think in this part here, like, the pacing of this episode is really good. We're not sitting in the cell, just, like, kind of mulling around, like, how are we going to get out of this? Right. Like a lot of these shows and even episodes in the past can kind of do, like, the demon dies, the police come in, like, it's snappy. Like, we're getting to it. It is. And even the exorcism itself is really fun and snappy, too. Yeah. Like, he takes a second to gloat, and then it's all, like shots fired and latin chanting and all kinds of it's like very very quick but actually the thing that makes that scene stand out the most to me is that guy's face acting did it not seem like extremely sam raimi to y'all because i was thinking about the evil (laughs) dead like the whole time i was like just the way the guy's face was moving around and like the little cheek twitches and everything yeah yeah i can see that i just think it's so fun like so much of this episode is really serious and there's a there's just enough levity to and like camp like in this moment but like keeps it like above the super angst bar you know what i mean i also love this scene because i feel like the stakes are raised in this episode scene by scene really well um like i know we were talking about how there's no lull but in the scene before like when they're alone in the cell you get the helicopter outside Mm -hmm. which is a question of like is something going wrong then this ups it and I was afraid every time I see this like it feels like it's going to fall into supernatural format where this happens and then they get kind of get a break for Mm -hmm. like five minutes until something else but this just keeps ramping up yes right right and I think it's it's so well layered in that way. And then on top of that, it's not just that the stakes were raised repeatedly throughout the episode, it's that they stay there at the end of the episode and they're all the way up there um, for like the season overall. Like it pushes the stakes higher for the whole season, not just because there's like the new big bad, but because mm-hmm. they're having to come to terms with the fact that they have to, they're going to have to make choices they don't want to make. Yeah, and I think that episode does that in every scene. And then in the end, effectively, I'll talk about that later. Yeah. But it was just so cohesive and well done. I know. Oh, so good. I like, too, that after this, we get a couple of scenes where the herd is kind of thinning itself out before the boys are even out of the cell yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're already, again, raising those stakes. 
Well, and we're also like sending messages about like both Dean and Sam during those scenes too, right? So like Sam has mm-hmm. this little towel trick that he pulls just after this where he like gets Nancy to bring them the towel and then yeah. like yanks her clothes to steal the rosary. And like, that's an interesting scene because like I feel like that might be something we would expect Dean to do but not Sam like he's willing to scare the crap out of her in order to get something that he needs yeah that's exactly the scene I was thinking of too like this episode is very much the boys like doing the least harm they can or what they see as the least harm like when Mm -hmm. they scare Nancy by pulling her clothes but it also shows how sometimes like the least harm isn't in the end Right, 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 right. Yeah. There's this line of dialogue before the confrontation with possessed Henriksen, where Dean is like remarking on the fact that the demons are coming right for them. He's like, well, they've never done that before. And I just love what like a blunt statement of again, talking about the stakes being raised. It's such a blunt and forward statement of the stakes being raised. They're like, this is what's going on now demons were just hanging out now they're coming right for you expect that for a little while (laughs) so are we supposed to take away that Hendrickson just got possessed or has he been possessed for a while i think he just got possessed yeah that's like i yeah and i think it's the same demon that was possessing the deputy director And he just went into the ventilation system and like got into Henriksen and then came back. That damn leftover demon yard. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was thinking this is like the great yard of 2008. (laughs) (laughs) Just a mess yard. Indeed. Very flammable. Mm -hmm, Very. I love also them putting the rosary in the toilet bowl <laughs> like that's both disgusting but also so effective oh my god right that's like the most sanctified swirly to ever exist <laughs> it also does not surprise me that this was a sarah gamble episode because throwing a rosary in a like jail toilet in a toilet is yeah very much her speed yeah and having like the virginal like devout catholic vow that she's gonna go fuck a lot (laughs) i'm like miss sarah you unpack that religious trauma you do it you go girl exactly we're just gonna girl boss this catholicism away (laughs) (laughs) i love how relieved they are that henriksen is okay even despite everything that they've put him through or that he's put them through um, over their, the course of their acquaintance. They're, they're just like, like, are you okay? Is it you in there? I don't know. It just feels sweet it does. to me. It does. Like they care about people, little guys. Especially within this narrative of like Sam, like this growing acceptance of killing and doing what needs done. It's nice to yeah. see like, oh, they actually do care. Yeah, like he's not callous by any stretch of the imagination. Did you laugh at the I shot the sheriff joke? Yeah. Had a- I did too. I laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dean making an uncomfortable situation more uncomfortable with his coping humor. Yes. 
for me, what really sells it is the face journey. It's like, <laughs> like Henriksen is like, I shot the sheriff. And Dean, his face is like, yeah. Then it's like, wait. Then he's realizing. And then he kind of laughs to himself. And then he says the line. He goes, but you didn't shoot the deputy. And then Sam looks at him. He's like, oh. And then his face goes back to like this sort of sorry, like serious, like, "Mm, yeah, demons. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love it. And I feel like usually I think Jared is a lot better at the sort of humor that the writers of this show like to employ. And I thought this was a really, this was a fun moment for Jensen. And it just worked really well, I think, because of the awkwardness of the situation. I actually find this uh, middle bit really interesting because it really reminds me of Victor in the beginning of the episode. So like Henriksen marches in and he's all like taking care, taking control of everything and using the resources that he has. And he's like, everybody out of my way. I'm the big bad FBI guy. And they let Dean out of the cell and he's like taking over the station and using the resources that they have. And he's like, Everybody out of my way. I'm the big bad knowing about demons guy. And I like, I just think it's real fun that they directly mirrored that same kind of tone and, and like structure in the Mm -hmm. middle of the episode to sort of elevate like our impression of Dean and his leadership skills. So I'm not getting into Lilith this week because Lilith is a lot and I want to save her until the show unveils a little more. Yeah. But I do have a segment uh, um i'm scared because of the way you said that <laughs> so you both know how i've done like new technology to help hunters oh jesus okay here we go <laughs> i also have a plan of attack for how the demons could better macgyver their attack Okay, so now, okay, you have critiques for their their tactical planning now. <laughs> 100%. And I think it gets a little more unhinged as I, as I go down the list. As it should. As it should. Yes. So first of all, we know demons can't cross over salt. Just bring mm-hmm. a bottle of water. Pour it on the salt until the salt dissipates and like trickles down enough that there's a gap. Incredible. Also... You know, like those little handheld fans? Yeah. They could blow away the salt and there's a gap. Incredible. Next, you could get earplugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't get exercised if you can't hear it. Put in earplugs. And then <laughs> because they could have blessed the sprinkler system and mm-hmm. set off the fire sprinklers. You got to get yourself an umbrella hat. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. (laughs) Are you, you're just dressing them up as a beach vacation guy. I'm pretty sure you've done umbrella hat before. Did I? That's funny. For the other side. For the other side. Yes. So I think we just need umbrella hats all around. I'm guessing. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It's effective because you have full mobility while still being protected from the water. Incredible. Also, you know, that like super hydro proofing spray. You see it like on commercials, you can spray it on like pants or fabric and stuff like that. And water just like beads and rolls off of it. That sounds handy. Um, These people are already dead. Don't try it on your body if you're not dead. But if you're possessing a body, that body's dead. You can ruin the skin. Well, in that vein, why don't they just like wear full on like latex gimp suits? I thought of that, but no. 
Okay. Because even if it gets in a little, you're screwed. Then it's stuck in there with you. Oh. You've got to go and hydroproof yourself. That's, That's fair. fair. And then we're going to go a little home alone. You're going to get a remote controlled car and dip the wheels in paint. And then you're going to drive the car <laughs> over the demon trap. Uh-huh. Because as soon as you have a little paint, it's not a complete circle and you're free. Wow. Very surprised. They just Supernatural should have just hired you for their writing team. <laughs> they would have been Honestly, fighting someone. Yeah. <laughs> they would have been fighting waterproof <laughs> demons with umbrella hats and remote control cars. <laughs> instead of the ones that we got oh with cups of waters but, as weapons jesus would Christ. have been innovative <laughs> innovative no. i was expecting you to say like um a leaf blower you know you're right however a portable fan is quiet you don't want them to know you're breaking the salt line oh so this is for like the stealth demons oh yeah okay this is I gotcha. full stealth get in there and get them before they know yeah, gotcha. all of this is sneaky, and we get kind expert. of the booby trap, like Home Alone version that the boys get to do to the station. Uh, demons, watch more '90s movies for hijinks. If you have more ideas for demon hijinks, um, at me on Twitter or Instagram. And Allie means at me, as in like fight me. She's like, at me. <laughs> <laughs> or we can fight together. We can be the demon army. Don't wow. trust Allie. She'll betray you. <laughs> Says the Gemini. <laughs> I knew you were going to make that about astrology. <laughs> Sorry. Gay behavior. Was I born <laughs> under a bad sign? Um, oh, my God. Speaking of born under a bad sign, did you notice that um, it's the same exact place that Dean got shot in born under a bad sign? Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that shoulder has got to be really fucked up yeah true or it has like he has like a little bullet asshole there and it just goes right through i'm sorry what did you just say <laughs> like a two-way bullet asshole <laughs> jesus christ jordan that's so weird and gross it is why would you say that <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Even I don't know. <laughs> I betrayed myself. Oh my God, Jordan. So anyway, moving along, <laughs> while it doesn't like really look incredible, I really like the idea of showing all of the demons rolling into the town and like the big black and gray gust of wind with like the purple lightning. And I, th mm -hmm. I think there's something that makes it work a lot better in this episode than it did in the first episode of season three, because it, that was how they depicted them, like hovering over, I think, Chicago or heading towards Chicago. But like there's it's so much more dynamic and compelling here, I think, maybe because of the movement of it and the way it sort of washes over the police station. But I, I don't know. I, you know, it's just like a goofy looking blob because it's 2008 and CGI was yeah. crap. But I still, I liked it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What did you guys think? Yeah, I thought it was really good, especially. I liked how much the camera focused specifically on one demon, which is the woman. 
I don't really know why still, but they always had a lot of shots of her, especially of her and her facial expressions. Yeah, that's true. I think the fact that the cloud breaks up into like all the individual possessed people makes it much more interesting as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think part of the reason they focus on her is because the person that was being possessed is an acquaintance of Nancy's and we're meant to consider the lives of the possessed people more Mm. than maybe we would normally like because we have other characters that are like hey that's a person in there like reminding us what the stakes are like you know the fragility of human life and blah 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 (laughs) yeah especially I think for um Dean and Sam who are a, a little more inured to these situations and you know given that sam is presented with this opportunity to deal with stuff in a rather unethical way it feels like an important thing to consistently highlight absolutely i really liked it i thought it was just kind of a fun way of like telling story in between the lines yeah again showing is this when uh the boys actually flash the tats the sweet tats because yeah yeah Yeah. it is so They're like, actually, look at my titty. Hell yeah. I like the bit of world building that we get here. This episode actually has quite mm-hmm. a bit of world building. Yeah, and it was True. nice to see the anti-possession charm come back too. Yeah. It's been a while since they talked about that. Like since Bobby gave them their their charms, like gosh, mid-season two or yeah. beginning of season two, whenever that was. It feels like ages ago. And now they don't even need them. <laughs> yeah, now they don't. They're just like, they were just like, fuck it. Let's just have it on me permanently. Safer, but. It is so much safer. And I like how the boys are innovative. Yeah, look at them go. Thinking of everything. Look at them girl boss their way through this. Speaking of girl <laughs> bosses, I think this is when Ruby shows up too. Speaking oh, of girl bosses. Love her. She's here to gaslight and gatekeep. Oh, I really like the setup for her getting in because I love how this guy misplaced the salt just by lifting himself up. Um, like, I think that's such a realistic little detail. And then we're wait, like waiting tense to see what comes through. Like, I didn't expect it to be Ruby. Right, right. They really make you think that somehow this other officer is possessed and like Mm -hmm. he's letting someone in purposely and like they're going to get attacked, but then it all turns out to be okay. It's like another, another little fake out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here we've had kind of like a rising build of tension. And then now like we're kind of getting excitement too. There's a lot of emotions coming in in this episode as a viewer. Yeah. And I love that like the cult becomes relevant again here and also i love how fucking pissed ruby is oh yeah she's, she's so pissed. angry and like i'm like yeah give them a dressing down like <laughs> oh you know what we skipped over we skipped over the scene with um henrickson and dean oh oh true when they like decide to team up yeah because they're they're filling the salt rounds and their little bandoliers and stuff this was a scene rife <laughs> with LGBT behavior. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like a lot of it, yeah, is well, and you know what? This is this is also the scene with the the cop hate. What a good scene. Yeah. Oh true. I, Henriksen is just like, man, 
this whole time being a cop was useless all along. (laughs) And I love how he's not just like, this is useless, but he's seeing the flaws in the system where like, if the system were made to protect people and actively work against uh, violence before it happens, it would be such a different thing. Like I like how he's seeing the failed parts of the system. Like he can do his best, but in that system uh you get to these people afterwards and you you're just trying to mitigate the horrors right right and then the sort of bitterness that he has that you know the whole time he's been chasing dean around dean has actually been actively saving people from getting killed Mm -hmm. yeah it makes me really sad because like to jumping ahead a little bit to the end of the episode obviously hendrickson doesn't make it through this episode and i'm like this would be a really cool opportunity for hendrickson to become a reoccurring guest star because i'm like (laughs) oh he could quit being a cop and be like look at how much good these two are doing like you know have been inspired to actually help people right so he's like out there hunting monsters and nancy's out there hunting dick or whatever (laughs) else (laughs) we got robbed true him and ruby too would be a fun dynamic like to see them interact more I don't know how I feel about that. I think I would need to have seen it in the show a little more Mm -hmm. to really gauge that. Okay, anyway, but the boyfriendisms. Yeah. I love how quickly they go from this cop hate to Henriksen feeling the need to change the subject to Dean's personal and romantic life. (laughs) Like him asking, like confirming that Dean is single for real feels like the kind of thing like you do when you yourself are probing someone to find out if they're single you know <laughs> you know yeah. it feels like every every instance of that in another like even even in Buffy I feel like characters had interactions like this yeah like tons of romance stuff has it it's just like the offhandedly mentioning like oh your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever must be so what I don't know but you know what I'm talking about the boyfriend behavior is so strong. Dean and Hendrickson are like TBH, like hot together. Like they mm-hmm. should be a couple. They could take down the world. Like there's so much extended soulful eye contact between yeah. the two of them. I don't know like why Dean is always looking at men's mouths while they're talking. <laughs> Just likes, he likes those boy holes as in their mouths. Oh my God, Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> Never say boy. Like, that's... He's paying the trolls toll. I don't even know what that means in this... Context. Oh, my God. It's all, it's always sunny musical. It's, oh. I, don't, I don't know what it means in this context either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But anyway, the, the craziest thing about this is not just that Henriksen is oh so unsubtly trying to figure out if Dean is single. It's the fact that Dean then turns around and and does it right back. <laughs> yeah, like, but more in a more straightforward way, just like literally asks. Yeah, white picket fence, aka right. wife and kids at home. Right, and like the eye contact when when Henriksen is like, I'm right where you are, and Dean tell, like goes, imagine that, like, I'm just, like. <laughs> They were You're like, gonna kiss now, right? 
<laughs> they were both like five seconds away from Dean side eyeing a bathroom while Sam sits in a parking lot for 40 minutes. <laughs> I mean, hell, they were already in an office. They could just pull down the blinds. <laughs> what you should be doing during a demon apocalypse. Demon Obviously, siege. last siege, night on yeah. Earth. I know we're like clowning about this a lot, but I'm actually like not joking. Like it's funny, but I'm I'm not joking. Like there is real sexual tension in this. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm just like Sarah Gamble, thank you for doing this insane (laughs) thing. And the fact that this is like the follow-up to like Dean's weird Wade Wilson sex comments and also Henriksen likening them to Hannibal and Will Graham. I'm just like, this needed to happen. Why did it not happen? (laughs) (laughs) Let this boy be by. It frustrates me. And you know what else though? I gotta say like, it's, it's episodes like this that get me so riled up when people are like, oh, you know, the only reason there's fans that think Dean is bisexual is because of Castiel and really liking that ship. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a fool. <laughs> Please rewatch season three, episode 12. Oh my gosh. Report back. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you don't agree, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so now I guess we can get back to when Ruby is actually, she had crossed mm-hmm. the threshold. Yeah, to, to bring us back to that. Sorry, I just, I couldn't let us forget to talk about that scene. Oh, like, what the hell? I am really interested in the fact that Dean agrees to let Ruby out of the demon trap so fast. Like, she gained his trust pretty quickly. She's obviously gained his trust, but then we also have like the, is this trust or desperation right. as well? Like it's kind of layered. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, whatever trust she had, it's pretty quickly shattered by this whole spell scenario. Second time in the episode that someone is called Sam stupid. Again, incredible. <laughs> Cause it never happens. But I, I genuinely think like, This scene, I just, or not the scene, but like the whole idea of it, like Ruby ever so conveniently having this super spell that requires a virgin sacrifice. Um, (laughs) I just have to like, let it go. It's too convenient. And I'm, I'm like rolling my eyes about it and trying not to get distracted by it because I think the conversations that it brings up are vital obviously to the episode and to the season as a whole but I hate it (laughs) no I that's how I felt too I was just kind of like this is dumb but -hmm. like I liked the character building we got from this with especially Dean who was so vehemently against this right Um, and then also like really gets to show us like let Nancy as a you know smaller role kind of sing as well Right. And I love, I loved what it did for her character. Like before she was just very one note and we're just supposed to understand her as like this kind of like this trope, but then Mm -hmm. this expands her by giving her some agency. Literally it's a discussion about her ability to choose. 
Yeah, I I think it would be cool if this were not made about like whether she's had sex or not and made more about like maybe believing or someone who like has that faith Um, because I feel like that also would be equivalent. Like, why does one virgin equal a mile of demons gone? Like, what is this equation? If it were like, oh, someone who believes and trusts or has faith or something like that, I think it would make a lot more sense. Also, the comparison of virginity to purity is so stupid and antiquated, but right, no, it truly is. The only like movie that did that trope well is Jennifer's Body, where she's like, "Yeah, I'm a virgin," and then. Of course, ends up not being one, but... The one thing I do like is that she says, like, oh, but it's a choice. I don't like how that's played off as a joke, though. It looked like Dean was about to laugh at it. Yeah, I think, honestly, I read that as him just being, like, really surprised. Maybe because of their interaction earlier in the episode, where, you know, she was definitely, like, making flirty eyes. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I didn't think that... It didn't feel like a joke to me. I liked that she had that line of dialogue. Yeah, I, I like that line. I wish it were like fa- like phrased a little more in a little stronger way or if they had not flashed to Dean afterwards. Like, Because so... I think that is a very true thing. And like virginity doesn't matter unless it matters to you. And it's about your like it can right, be yeah. a, if it's personal and that's something that matters to you. Like that's a choice as well. Right. So what I liked, though, I actually really liked it as a line, and it's specifically mm-hmm. in the just- juxtaposition of Dean being horny on Maine this entire yeah. episode and Fair. her not. So I actually thought it kind of was a little empowering because it, mm-hmm. like, shows Dean is obviously a strong character, and, like, mm-hmm. he's also a very sexual character in this episode. Mm-hmm. And then she is now also shown as a um, strong character who does not engage in the same type of lifestyle as Dean. So it's kind of like nobody's losing here. So that line I did like. Yeah, I mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of what I took away from it too. I also want to note, and Jordan, you were sort of talking about this before we hit record, but this scene and the scene that follows it, where they're talking about the virgin sacrifice and then Dean and Sam are arguing about it really put me in mind of the Croatoan episode in season two. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a reversal of that because um, like, if you recall, it was for the greater good to just kill the guy before like they could find out whether or not he had the virus. Yeah. And then here it's the quote unquote greater good to like sacrifice this girl but Dean is like, no, no way. We're not doing that. And it's kind of like what we're taking away from it is kind of interesting as well. Because that, epi- in like that one, it's like, you got to do what you got to do in Croato and like for the greater good. And then this one now, we're not following that anymore. And mm-hmm. we get punished for it in this episode. So I think like at the core, though, it's a, it, like how do we um, value human life and that that's what makes them similar is Mm -hmm. the fact that Sam seems to have devalued human life to a certain extent and is willing to compromise his morals whereas Dean has the line uh, if that's how you win wars then I don't want to win 
Well, I think it's been kind of an eye-opener for Dean this season, like, seeing that that's how Sam sees Dean is right. someone who doesn't value human life. And then Dean watching Sam enact, trying to reenact those traits, I think has increased Dean's value of human life, which is really interesting. So, yeah, this is kind of like we get to see it play out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there's also something to be said for, like, the influence of Sam on Dean um, while the two are separated from their dad and his sort of brainwashing type behavior. Yeah. I think, so Henriksen makes some really unfortunate remarks about their dad and their childhood earlier, but I love that he uses the word brainwashing because I think he's not far off the mark there. Absolutely. Just speak, just speaking of, I don't, that was obviously like in the first third of the episode, but. Okay. So they end up not going with Ruby's plan much to Ruby's dismay. She's very unhappy. Um, And I think their plan is to create entryways for all of the demons to slowly trickle through like a weird gauntlet. Um, Yeah. I actually, it's a good plan. It's a great plan. Mm -hmm. I just, I think it's wild because the way they introduce it and like, okay, I get that it's, it's just like a pacing thing. They're raising the stakes again. And it's just for the sake of that, that they're like, Dean has to say that it's a bad plan and we have to feel like it's reckless, especially because Mm -hmm. earlier Dean had made the remark about like, oh, I'm going to go down swinging, blah, blah, blah. So we're like, oh, it's going to happen in this episode or it could. Um, but it's a good plan, actually. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like, don't say it's a bad plan. <laughs> like cornering them or trapping them inside and then forcing them to hear the exorcism. It's a great plan. Yeah, and it's every, effective. It yeah. doesn't put them in so much risk. Like you can be physically away from them. Mm-hmm. Like this is genuinely a great plan. Yeah, and the fact that it utilizes um, even like the deputy and Nancy, who are maybe a little less physically helpful than Henriksen himself. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like it's great. Everybody can help out a little. Yeah, I love this whole setup, and I also love how they don't go through it. Like they don't talk through the entire thing. Um, they just start doing it. Like I feel like sometimes they show you like almost too much. Mm-hmm. I just want to see the action of setting it up and find out along the way what they're doing. Right, exactly. It it feels very much like one of those, so here's the plan, whisper, whisper, whisper. Exactly. It's fun I love that it. way. Mm-hmm. They have so many like fun, good moments, like Dean and Henriksen backing into each other and then like covering <laughs> each other at that corner, which once again, come on. Um <laughs> And like, I love that Nancy has got like her suit jacket on now because she's like been, she's empowered by her mm-hmm. decisions and stuff. And, um, <laughs> you know, they're pouring the salt real fast and she's in her chunky square heels. And I don't know. It's just a cute scene. Like the whole it thing, is. the one thing that gets me about this series of action sequences is. <laughs> Sam in the reception area with the holy water. What is he doing? He looks so goofy. He's like somewhere in between like Squidward dancing and struggling to control a hose. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his arms are super noodly, but his body and like his head are really stiff and he's got this <laughs> big frown. He just looks absolutely absurd and I can't take it seriously. It was like almost buffoonish. Like sometimes Sam. Yeah. What is this dude doing? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, but. But also. <laughs> I like using the PA system as an exorcism tool. I thought that was really funny. It's so right. Funny. And it's so smart too, mm-hmm. because like the biggest issue with the exorcisms is that they can be interrupted while they're saying them. And I, I truly think they should just always carry audio, like a mm-hmm. recording of the exorcism, like on their phone or on like another kind of recording device so that they don't run into that again. Like yeah. it was so smart. Could they do it in, like, you know the sounds that dogs hear that we can't? Oh, shit. Yeah. What if they could put it at, like, that level and just constantly be playing it wherever they go? That would be sick. Again, innovation. Come on, Sam and Dean. Allie, you're just, you're just the man with the plan. Like, you're going to be ready when demons take over the world. I just liked Home Alone way too much and watched it too many times. See, that's what this episode was missing, was some serious Home Alone hijinks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What if they had put, like, iron nails on a doorway? Oh. More buckets over doorways filled with holy water. Oh, my God, please. (laughs) Yes. I did really like this action scene, though. I thought no, we saw just too. enough. And we also saw, like, the demons, like, think they got their way. And we still didn't know, like, the lead up of what's going on mm-hmm. um, before the <laughs> doors lock and you get the exorcism. Like, I love that trap set up. Yeah, totally. I feel like also having, like, the lead demon be able to psychically overpower them. And it just emphasizes like that without their human ingenuity, <laughs> mm-hmm. they they are kind of helpless against the demons. Mm-hmm. I have to say though, why the fuck did the demon cloud explode? Uh, I loved it. Didn't you know that uh, <laughs> this was also a Transformers episode? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I love the Michael Bay element of it all. It felt very yeah. of its time. Yeah, they were like, oh, you let yourself think this was like a serious episode again? No, <laughs> here's an explosion. <laughs> I guess I it's feel better like they... than being flushed down a toilet to hell. Oh my God. RIP pilot ghost. <laughs> so in the final scene here, we're kind of getting to the aftermath where... um. Hendrickson is kind of promising Sam and Dean that he's going to like kind of cover for them and like pretty much help fake their death. Did you see how like they're leaving and Dean looks back over his shoulder? Sam doesn't. (laughs) Dean was just like, damn, I didn't get that slide. Jesus. (laughs) Let's pick it up on his energy for this episode. Really though, that was a that was a yearning glance if I've ever yeah. seen one. That was a I hope we see each other again kind of look. Dean wanted to be wife number four. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's before that would have been legal. Oh true. Oh god. 
Man, remember when we had even fewer rights? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I just like, for some reason, thought you were talking about like, like you had like a uh, misremembered the quote of like, I thought you were talking about like polygamous marriage. <laughs> I, was, like, I was getting like flashbacks of like sister wives type no. thing. I just, like saw Dean dressed as like a Mormon temple wife. No. <laughs> but I was like, oh no, you mean like gay marriage? <laughs> no. <laughs> good God. <laughs> oh, I don't know gosh. what's going on with me tonight. I am so torn how about how I feel about this ending. Same. Because, like, I love Henrik Sink's character so much. And I think this was an effective ending. But I'm like, could they have done it to anyone else? Please. Right. I think that for the long-term narrative arc, it's better that all of them die. Mm. But it frustrates me that so much energy was put into developing this interesting Black character. And then you know he gets killed like as soon as they have this you know he has the revelation that sam and dean were right and all this stuff and i think like you know on the one hand it does a lot of work to make them feel more emotionally isolated from people like they can't get close to people and all this stuff which you know that's character regression not development but it's still movement and it's interesting But also it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is exactly how I feel about this final scene is I do think it was important for the narrative, but it yeah. does suck that like part of it is it's important, but part of it does feel a little bit lazy to me because we do, mm-hmm. this isn't the first time this has happened where we put effort into these characters and then we just completely wipe them out yeah it's like all threads have been completely knotted off now it's just we are losing a lot of texture in the world right yeah because now there's no longer this connection to like the law enforcement aspect of stuff which Mm -hmm. like scoops out a ton of conflict and and opportunity for development and Mm -hmm. you know plot lines that are not centered around conflict like if Henriksen had stayed and become their like in guy with the FBI who like helped them out and you know I think Kripke didn't want things to be too easy quote unquote for the boys like that's part of why the roadhouse got burned down too it's just like you know there's too much stability in that and um part of the idea is that their life is really isolated and unstable Mm -hmm. so yes (laughs) but also (laughs) yeah Yeah. and and again it just it bothers me that you know in one season and within not very many episodes of each other we've killed both black men oh yes absolutely and it's a bad pattern yeah but also thank god this wasn't a horrifically violent scene right like it was just over in a flash yeah we've gotten that so many times um right like gordon's death was tremendously gory and and bloody and over the top exactly you know in a way that a lot of the deaths are not 
mm-hmm. in this show. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, he's a black man. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It just makes me mad. And, and then like I on think- top of that, I think that like when there's an episode like this that invests so much in, you know, the personalities of characters, it feels like, what did we accomplish? You know, what did we even do here as an audience, I guess, less as the characters? Because obviously they're struggling with that too. In terms of narrative, it was so important because like, it also means a lot for what the implications of Dean and Sam not wanting to make the like bloodiest choice, but it's about like what's bloody on their hands. Yeah. Because in the end, they end up having to face that their choice of trying to save more people ends up what kills more people. So I think it's so important in that way. But also, I'm like, could it have been a character we hated? Right. I'm thinking about Nancy in particular, too, mm-hmm. who her whole character was about like her hope for the future and her mm-hmm. choice and agency over her body, um, both, you know, in sex and violence. And mm-hmm. like in the end, she didn't have any choice. And I just yeah. hate that for that character. <laughs> I hate it, but I also don't mind it fully because I'm like, it also is very much a Sarah Gamble episode where it's like sure. hope is dead. Right. Yeah. And, and I, understand that like that's part of the tragedy for Mm -hmm. Dean and Sam specifically is that that's what they saw and that's what they wanted Mm -hmm. and it's taken away from them so it is very effective at at being a tragedy but it's still just (laughs) it just sucks it just sucks it just and and I don't like it (laughs) I mean I do but I don't you know what I mean yeah I signed up for a happy fun time. This is not that. Right. And I'm someone, I love to read tragedy. I love to read stories about grief, especially like working through grief. And Mm -hmm. I like things that make me cry and that make me feel like shit. This doesn't make me feel like shit in the way that I want to feel like shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. It's like the wrong kind. I like, I finished the episode and I'm like, man, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially something that Supernatural is missing is, like, Buffy spoilers. Allie, you might want to, like, cover your ear. Okay, but, like, I'm going to mute this for, like, two, two for seconds. For 30 seconds. Okay. But, like, how cool is it when, like, we haven't seen Faith for two seasons, and then right. she suddenly just shows up? And, like, I feel like we kind of get robbed of that. Especially, like, Hendrickson. And um, was it big season two? He was introduced, season, like season two, episode seven. Yeah, like something like that. Something yeah. like that. Like he came in, and then he was there. He had like a small presence within the show, and like you would expect it to like kind of grow throughout. But instead, it was like here's Hendrickson. We're introducing you to him, and then we're gonna completely close up his storyline in one episode. It's just, it's a little strange how they decide to format, like, a lot of their bigger guest stars and stuff. Right. Yeah, no, I I feel the same way. Like, again, it just feels like a missed opportunity for future storytelling. Exactly. And I really do, I wish that, like, just one of them had made it out even, you know? I wish they had, but, like, also, I think it's important that no one had. Yeah, 
Like if I had in my dream, this would be rewritten where he leaves um, like to go handle the FBI and then this happens. Mm, yeah. But it's supernatural. We can't have nice things. Right. Well, my mine is that they think everyone dies, but then like several years down the line, mm. um, Henriksen or Nancy pop back up. I love it. What did you think of the fact that Ruby came back at the end? I honestly kind of expected it because in in a way she is kind of right. Like I still Mm -hmm. don't trust Ruby, but it is like we get to see a lot of people step into Dean and Sam's world and they have to remind people like, hey, I'm the professional. But in this case, Ruby kind of was. Right. And I get it. Like, was her plan really evil and she could have framed it maybe a little bit better but like she wasn't really wrong right i think you know there aren't a lot of people who can really put the two of them in their place like that like the only other character like maybe there was meg once or twice and then their dad but no one yells at them like that it's tense you're like whoa Mm -hmm. and they're so sheepish too like you can tell how guilty they feel Mm-hmm. which I think they're normally pretty good about compartmentalizing like death and loss uh, that happens around them. Yeah. But not here. So does that mean we're ready to talk about the fanfic? You know what? I think that means we're ready <laughs> to talk about the fanfic. Little update about our fanfic list. We or I rather am going to stop updating the Google Doc because I am notoriously bad at keeping up with it. (laughs) (laughs) And instead, we are switching over to an AO3 account with a bookmark for every fic mentioned in each episode. There is a separate collection on there um, made by the account that's specifically things that I recommended or that came from my bookmarks. And everything else is just things I found when I was surfing the tags. I have two different fics today, again. The first one is more of a ficlet. It's just about 400 words. Very, very short. It's a five things type, if you're familiar with that prompt style. This one is called that ain't the way to have fun, son. And it is by a 3 user, Ellie Murasaki. This one is super old. It's from um, 2010. Oh, wow. Yeah. The summary is five ways Victor Henriksen survived that day. Oh my um, gosh. I love that so much. I think this will be the first one I actually read. <laughs> wow. Read the Harry Potter impreg? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, sorry to the people have written wonderful ones but i'm just obsessed with this it makes me want to cry yeah i think i've mentioned before but i'm like amazed how little people write about victor henriksen Mm -hmm. i think he's a very interesting character um this fic is rated t it is a gen fic the characters are victor nancy And then there's all of the cops that were in there. Also, Sam and Dean are in the story, Ruby, and then a couple of original female characters. Additional tags are 
Five Things and Season 3, Episode 12, Juice and Bellow. Um, and it is part of a collection called Supernatural Bite Sized, which is on account of the very, very, very short nature of this. I'm sure you can imagine this does not have a lot of hits. It, in fact, only has around 650 because people tend to prefer slash fic and they tend to prefer it to be longer than 400 words. <laughs> but, you know, I I love that someone took the time to think about, like, how my Victor have survived the the police station and gotten out because he he was a really interesting and dynamic character and had so much potential for long-term storytelling and it fucking sucks that that didn't happen yeah mm-hmm. absolutely I even like have to think like as much as <laughs> it would be kind of offensive because only the woman would have died but could we have had <laughs> The demon only saw Nancy at the end. Could Lilith have just, like, killed Nancy? Mm. Like, did Hendrickson have to die? I guess he did. Question for another time. Right. (laughs) We're going to be sending Eric Kripke a very strongly worded email. One of many. (laughs) I wonder how long it will take for one of us to get a, like, restraining order from him. (laughs) Very long time, I'm sure. (laughs) Kind of in the same vein, the second fic that I pulled up is called Salve Regina. It's by AO3 user Anactoria. I think I may have recommended something by her before. I've definitely, or I guess I don't know it's a her, them before. I've definitely read other works of theirs and other works of theirs are pretty popular. This one is about if Nancy had escaped. Um, the summary is Nancy escaped the massacre and monument, but there's no getting away from the things she's seen. When a supernatural murder reunites her with the Winchesters, she realizes she isn't the only one who's haunted. This one is much longer. It's about 2,500 words. And I have read this and did like it, despite the fact that it's the relationship here is Nancy and Dean. Um, it is only rated T, so nothing like you know, really over the top. Additional tags include Canon Divergence, Season 3, Episode 12, Juice and Bellow, Season 4, Canon Typical Violence, Canonical Character Death, Nancy Lives, Survivor's Guilt, and Angst. I really enjoy this writer's prose, first of all, and I do think it's interesting to explore, like, what happens to a person of faith who encounters this kind of stuff. Interestingly, that's they kind of do that with um, Ella in Lucifer. Yeah, <laughs> in true. And I just find that kind of compelling, like the loss of faith and like, you know, looking for it again in the small and large things in your life. And, you know, how you deal with the fact that you can't unsee the the things that you've seen and you don't really have anyone to talk to about it. I highly recommend that one. What I'm at kind of interested in that with like that storyline, too, is we've actually dealt with Sam's faith a lot mm-hmm. and we've totally dropped that. Yeah. I wish this was actually in the show, like have her live and have her and Sam kind of like maybe find their faith together again. I don't know. Mm. A lot of interesting stuff you could do that Kripke Mm -hmm. probably is not going to do. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, with, as you know, the introduction of like angels and heaven and stuff like that, you know, how might that complicate it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's all I have for the fanfic for today. 
Well, I Perfect. guess that means it's time to rate the episode. Hell yeah. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to give this one a 4.5 out of 5 because I really like the episode minus the end. I'm just very conflicted about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 toilet exorcisms. <laughs> um, what about you, Allie? I also think this is a good episode. Although I'm conflicted about the ending because of personal opinions about characters, I do think it's like a solid fucking episode. And this is one I will never dislike rewatching. Um, so I'll give it five out of five overnight lock-ins at your local police station. Hell yeah. I think that's called well, being like, arrested, Allie. Uh, it's semantics. <laughs> 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 what about you, Jasper? Um, let me just compose myself. <laughs> I'm going to give this one a 4.9 kinky handcuffs out of five because I really like this episode and I find, I feel like it's really well executed. There's just like some nitpicky things and I'm personally upset about Henriksen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, I want to hand wave the ruby spell but i just am like this is the stupidest shit i've ever heard in my life <laughs> really fucking dumb <laughs> but i do i love that episode it's it's just it's nearly perfect you know oh i guess that means i need to peer into my crystal ball i'm a little terrified of of what you have in store for us mm-hmm Ooh. Since we don't have a lot of time left, I think we have, what, four episodes left in this season? Yeah, I think yes. four. Yeah. I don't think we have a lot of time left for old Deanie boy. I'm starting to think that there is no way out of the demon deal because we've made literally no progress <laughs> at all with that storyline. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing he's going to die in the season finale and come back next season because obviously I know how Dean dies. Spoiler I know the ending of this show. Just to let you all know. Unfortunately. The ending ending of the show is like infamous. Exactly. Um, It's actually what piqued my interest in the show is because I saw like a video documentary, like a YouTuber made about specifically the finale of the show. But so I know Dean is obviously going to come back to life, but I think that we're going to see a descent into darkness from Sam. And I don't trust Ruby. This whole time, Mm -hmm. I've been thinking that maybe that Sam is supposed to be the literal Antichrist because they've like actually called him the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I'm like, maybe we're going to get a little bit more like psychic Sam. And maybe Mm -hmm. we're not actually preparing Sam himself, but preparing his body, which this episode may break this theory a little bit because we saw the demon tattoos and like, obviously he can't be possessed, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like, maybe he's supposed to be awakened as like the big threat to Lilith, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing. So maybe he's going to be the other player that Ruby is actually working for. And Ruby is kind of giving me like... How did she get through all those demons? I'm like, is Ruby a double agent? Oh, they did not show us like her coming in. Oh, yeah, that's right. They didn't talk about that very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or we didn't talk about that. Yeah. She, they don't show her getting in. She says she fought her way through. 
Mm-hmm. And then when she leaves, they kind of part the seas for her. Yeah. Kind of. And like Ruby is infamous in hell. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm-hmm. they're not just going to let that bitch walk. <laughs> so I think Ruby is going to start. Dean's going to die. And I think Ruby is going to start putting things into motion to prepare Sam to ascend the throne of hell. And I kind of just hope he does. <laughs> It's not going to happen, but I'm like, get your crown. Where you go, you boy king, you. You boy king. I love it. I'm not going to say what I was going to say, but I hope that makes Wait, sense. Wait, what do you mean? I was just thinking of boy hole again. I knew no. it. <laughs> you monster. <laughs> Good grief. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhart, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Appleton, Wisconsin. Bye. 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 Bye.